Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Kelly Mesher Collins at the Diocese of Des Moines. On today's show, we're going to be visiting with Professor Russell Hintinger, who is currently visiting Professor of Theology at the Dominican School of Philosophy and Theology. He's also a senior fellow at the Lumen Christi Institute at the University of Chicago and serving there as visiting scholar on the Committee on Social Thought. Uh, we're going to be talking to him in a few minutes. Before we get today's interview, let's find out what's on the bishop's mind. Yes, looking forward to our time with Dr. Hittinger. And uh, good morning, Kelly. Good to morning. be with you. Did you miss me? I miss <laughs> yes. you during some of these weeks. Yes, I had a chance for so some holiday wondering where you and everything, were along trying the world. to restore the soul. Yeah, so a chance to, to see new places and uh, kind of exotic. Uh, I had some time away. And uh, so I was actually went to Guam, uh, kind of partly yes. nostalgia. My dad had always spoken very fondly of his time on Guam. He had served in the Air Force in the 1950s. And uh, just that opportunity to, to go there and, uh, you know, take in the kind of that tropical environment, see that volcanic island. But obviously the American military presence is very strong. And so mm-hmm. uh, I did not think to get on the base where my dad had served, but uh, as a navigator on B-17s, B-19s. But uh, thanks to the intervention of Jason Kurth, our chancellor, uh, and the uh, Father Joshua Janko of the Diocese Lafayette in Indiana, who is the chaplain on, on base, I got a little tour of the base. So cool. it was very exciting. Got up in the control tower. And uh, the reason I tell the story is because there were three young airmen in their 20s who were the control uh, t- tower, you know, running the uh, airfield uh, traffic. And uh, we're talking, uh, chatting up one of them, he says, well, I'm from Iowa, too. And I said, well, I said where? He said, well, you've never heard of it. It's about an hour north of Council Bluffs. I said, Mondaman? <laughs> he said, yeah, son, you've heard of Mondaman. So so I said, you know, I, I'm Bishop Johnson. Here's my card. If you, I can do anything for you. He says, well, I'm Latter-day Saints. I don't know that I really want your card. So <laughs> But as we were coming down the steps, uh, the 16 flights of steps that we had climbed to get to the control wow. tower, he had to let somebody in. He said, hey, Bishop, you still got one of those cards? Could I have it? So uh, asked people to pray for Airman Deacons, D-E-A-K-I-N-S. And uh, we'll see uh, how the Lord maybe works in his heart. Maybe like my dad, it was the connections he made that that ultimately led him to be Catholic. So mm-hmm. at a later point in his life. And that's part of, I think, the spiritual significance of that place for me as well. Sure. So. But we're back. Uh, the opportunity to to uh, bless and build up. We're grateful to the people in uh, in Adel who were blessing their uh, memorial right. to the unborn this past mm-hmm. weekend. That uh, joint endeavor between their Respect Life uh, Committee and the Knights of Columbus, a, a place of peace and loving memory of the children who we were never able to hold. And uh, the, of course, the famous scripture passage from Jeremiah one five: "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you." So may that be a blessing and place of peace. However, people have lost children mm-hmm. uh, in their, their lives, not only for that Catholic community, but for the community of Adel and Dallas County. Uh, today is the Feast of St. Avila, that great doctor of the church, that 16th century woman. Uh, um, you know, the Tom and uh, Celia Mahoney's son, uh, Michael Mahoney, uh, who's uh, going to be entering into third uh, theology at the uh, North American College, Gregorian Pontifical University in Angelicum. Uh, he actually spent the summer in Avila uh, studying spirituality and Spanish at the same time. So to mm-hmm. drink in the spirit of the, the great doctor, that uh, holy place. And I just want to give her a little attention today in this year of St. Joseph, her great devotion to St. Joseph, who was a powerful intercessor for her. And she finally arrived at that point 
point in her life where she made that breakthrough in prayer and kind of got beyond her own neuroses and other things that affected her physical condition. So she said, I began to attend Mass and recite devotional prayers that were highly approved. I never cared for other devotions that some people practice, especially women with those ceremonies, intolerable to me. All her personality comes through loud and clear. Afterward, I came to understand that they were not suitable devotions, but superstitious ones. I took for my advocate and Lord, the glorious St. Joseph, and earnestly recommended myself to him. I saw that the had no need in other greater ones concerning honor and loss of soul. This father and Lord of mine came to my rescue in better ways than I never knew how to ask for. Uh, the other saints here, but the Lord he, uh, himself wants us to understand, just as he was subject to St. Joseph on earth, for since bearing the title of father, being the Lord's tutor, so too then Joseph could give the, what the child commands. So in heaven does God do whatever he commands. So uh, St. Joseph and Teresa of Avila, a powerful combination among the saints of God. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we return. We'll welcome Dr. Russell Hittinger. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Catholic Women Now provided in part by Permar Security, providing security solutions for homes and businesses since 1953. Permar Security is a Catholic-owned family business supplying security systems, access control systems, video surveillance, fire alarm systems, and video doorbells. All alarm systems are monitored out of their monitoring center located in the state of Iowa. Permar Security, 515-244-5660, permarsecurity.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the morning is provided by Five Sons Naturescapes. Five Sons Naturescapes is a Catholic veteran-owned family company providing premium outdoor landscaping. Clean up and restore outdoor living space with retaining walls, privacy fencing, pergolas, paver sidewalks, and patios. Issues with soil settling and water around the foundation and yard? Five Sons Naturescapes can grade and install drainage tile to help. Five Sons Naturescapes online at fivesonsnaturescapes.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Our guest today is Professor Russell Hittinger, who is currently visiting Professor of Theology at the Dominican School of Philosophy and Theology. He's also a senior fellow at the Lumen Christi Institute at the University of Chicago. We're visiting with him today about his presentation next Thursday evening from Mercy College's Center for Human Flourishing. Dr. Hittinger, it's great to have you on. I feel comfortable calling you Russ, given our association in the summer seminar in Krakow, Poland for, for many years. And of course, you were one of the kind of grandfathers of that seminar as well. But uh, this is your second time on the show, so you were willing to come back. <laughs> we didn't, uh, we didn't uh, douse your enthusiasm too much. And uh, again, this is not so much at our behest, but uh, Bo Bonner at the Mercy College of Health Sciences, Director for Center of Human Flourishing and the Senior Advisor for Mission Initiatives and Spiritual Health. Can you talk about that connection that you have with Bo Bonner that uh, has prompted uh, your coming to Des Moines very soon? Well, yeah, as I'd say, more than 10 years ago, uh, my old professor at Notre Dame, who was very important for my uh, undergraduate days and beyond my undergraduate days, his name was Stanley Hauerwas, mm -hmm. uh, a very important Protestant uh, theologian and ethicist. So anyway, he was my teacher at Notre Dame. We always kept in contact. Then he moved to Duke took a position at Duke, and uh, out of the blue, one day, maybe 12, 13 years ago, he sends me a note and says, I want you to meet this student of mine. I think the two of you will hit it off. And it was Bo Bonner. And it was because, of course, I was living in Oklahoma for 25 years. 
And so uh, Bo's family is from Oklahoma. So sure enough, a few weeks later, there's a knock at my door, and there is Bo Bonner. And, of course, we've been, we've been uh, working together off and on on various kinds of projects for many years. Indeed, and Bo Bonner known well to listeners of Iowa Catholic Radio and Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Kelly, his show is named again with Bo. Uh, uh, the Uncommon Good. The Uncommon Good. <laughs> so it's a great title, very provocative. And uh, he and uh, Father P.J. McManus, I believe, do some things on that. Uh, I right? think it's Bud Marr. Bud Marr. Excuse, excuse me. Excuse <laughs> me. Excuse my ignorance here. I'm going to get all sorts of nasty texts here. So Bud Marr. But uh, this center, I think it's a, it's something new. And you're kind of the, uh, the keynote and kickoff speaker for a series that hopefully will begin to be a, a regular tradition that's there. And so when you think about human flourishing and the, the different kinds of relationships and the different groups that uh, order our society as well, I was kind of thinking about uh, Bishop Robert Barron and his uh, homily at the Red Mass for the uh, New Orleans Archdiocese. He was there in New Orleans on the Feast of uh, St. Francis. And he was talking about the relationships of the religious principles and how society has its soul rooted in the moral and spiritual law that really gives the ground and cohesion to democracy. So you're going to be talking about some of the different societies within the, the larger society. Could you just give us a little preview? Yeah, well, sure. You know, the, the Catholic Church has taught for centuries and centuries that there are three necessary societies that is necessary for human flourishing, for human perfection and happiness. And that would be marriage and family, the domestic society, uh, the political society, which is the more comprehensive temporal society. It's all about justice. And then, of course, the ecclesial society. So we are uh, familial, we are political, and we are ecclesial animals. And these are all based in a kind of necessity. I mean, we can think about marriage, the necessity for procreation and family and the raising of children. Uh, polity has rooted in a necessity is we have to do justice with regard to one another, even beyond the family. And then ecclesial society that's rooted in the necessity of salvation, forgiveness of sins. So these just imagine someone uh, who, who is not right with these three societies. I mean, That was delicately said. Uh, <laughs> that was delicately said. Thank you. Yes. No, I'm just saying you delicately said someone who's not right there. Please continue. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but in addition to these three necessary societies for human flourishing, there are other associations we have. Uh, which knit these three societies together. And let's call them intermediate, I can just call them voluntary societies. I mean, even in the ecclesial society like the church, thinking, think about all the other societies that are within it. I mean, besides families and nations, there are inside of that religious orders, religious institutes, dozens upon dozens of things, even down to the parish level. Imagine how many kinds of associations uh, are at work in uh, a, a well-developed and flourishing parish. So 
These are things that we contribute to out of our generosity. Not, not necessity so much as generosity. And we volunteer for them. And uh, they, they create a rich associational life for its members and also contribute to the building of the three necessary societies, linking them together. You mentioned a, a large flourishing parish, and I'm sure many of our pastors could uh, testify to the various groups that uh, sometimes it's almost too much for them to be present to all those groups, Catholic Daughters, Knights of Columbus, and things as well. But even just the, the sense now that really for a parish to be effective, to form those bonds of, of small communities within the larger parish community. Now, are those more ecclesial, do you think, or do those approach more of a kind of familial level when those are present, or is that kind of really a way of being church that uh, images the the early church in its way? Well, well, notice that these smaller, more voluntary associations within a parish, they are all reconnected, reconnecting to the to the three necessary ones. They're connecting to the church. We have we have it. Pilgrims, people going on pilgrimage together and having pilgrimage societies, but they also connect to the family, marriage in the family, and very frequently connect to the more comprehensive society. Just think about all the work that Catholic Charities does and Catholic education, Catholic hospitals that are serving the entire uh, comprehensive society. So something to begin simply as voluntary associations within parishes radiates out to all of the necessary societies. If and if and if one of these or if these aren't robust and, and present in some way and if the ecclesial dimension isn't there, is there you know, inevitably a kind of expansion, inflation, if you will, of the other societies, because nature can't stand a vacuum. And so they're going to either, you know, kind of usurp or just kind of encroach on this territory that might otherwise be present. Yes, right. So, uh, I mean, no society is going to flourish uh, if people are just inert. (laughs) I mean, there has to be action. Because social bonds arise out of common action with one another. And uh, so when, when there's not common action, the bonds, the bonds just begin to wither. And when social bonds wither, then we become more like a, just an aggregation of forces rather than a community. And that makes you a sitting duck for... Uh, bad things. I mean, I've sometimes used the distinction, and you may be the one who's actually provided it to me, you know, between a crowd and a community, a crowd, a kind of aggregation of accidental people, you know. I mean, there may be a, a moment where, hey, you know, cheering for the Hawkeyes or Cyclones on the weekend, you know, you feel a certain bond, but it's not relating to persons as persons, except for that smaller group of people with whom you might have tailgated or in some other way. But uh, but the, the the crowd is just kind of bouncing off each other, but there's not really common action except in a, in a kind of transient way. Uh, you know, um, you know, social media, for instance, you know, it gives us the the, uh, the sense of being connected, of being collaboration. But uh, what are your reflections on, you know, does that really uh, lead us to to being in concert with each other, or is it does it have a default accent on the individual? 
Well, yes, and it looks looks to me more like uh, aggregations going on. I mean, think of the uh, the uh, difference if you go to the symphony between 500 people at the symphony who are kind of interacting, but they're not performing common action. And, and the symphony itself, I mean, the symphony is bonded in a unique way. I mean, that's, that's a matter of having a common end in common action and what we as Catholics like to call a bond, a social bond of common action. And it looks to me as that much of our online stuff does not produce a bond of common action. It produces a kind of superficial excitement of well, like walking through a piazza, <laughs> like, which, which, is, which is always interesting. But, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then the pigeons arrive, right? <laughs> <laughs> the umbrella sellers. And handlers arrive. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, and you know the family is is an ingredient to all of this, and obviously our families are, are challenged and stretched in many ways, and and broken by different forces of divorce and other things as well. Uh, how how much is the is the family, uh, you know, d- it, it preceded by something? You know, God's creative gift. It's a loaded question, but but is there something that we are to be discerners and not simply fabricators or you know kind of subjective? Uh, constructors of what a family should be well you know the family contains in nucleo all social relations because there's the bond between husband and wife the matrimonial bond of uh, and for us sacramental also a love between man and woman but then there's a special kind of love that parents have to children and there's a kind of love that siblings have for one another. In other words, the family is a, a, not a simple, but a rather complex social configuration. And that's why you basically learn about everything else, at least your first lessons about everything else that's social from growing up in a family. And, uh, you know, sibling love may be a work in progress for many of us, brings with the challenges as well. But it's certainly a constant reminder that we're not the center of the universe, right? We're not kind of autonomous monads who get to impose our will on other people in, in that way. Too. Well, right there in sibling, in, 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 in sibling relations, we already have the beginning of an understanding of brotherhood, right? Mm-hmm. And, well, it's, it's not entirely easy, of course. But uh, if you don't begin to learn that in the family, uh, you might not find it easy to learn when you go out into the rest of the city. Uh, we were joking a little bit before we came on air here about uh, the invitation among your academic appointments right now, the uh, opportunity to work at the University of St. Thomas in Houston. At the behest of your brother, who is likewise a professor and scholar in his own right, how much of that was uh, uh, something that the the sibling tug uh, uh, kind of uh, coaxed you into accepting that invitation? <laughs> well, look, from from being siblings, uh, first growing up in our parents' family, and then remaining as siblings when we both went into the world, and we had a common, still have a common 
profession and occupation. And so from that, from that germ, from that little cell within a family, uh, the sibling relationship continues to be transformed into uh, our work, our citizenship, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know you're so nimble on your feet here, and we didn't uh, think about this question in advance, but uh, would you have any observations that the pandemic and we think about issues with masks and vaccines, how that's kind of raised in relief where uh, the cohesiveness of these different societies or how it's kind of called into question and kind of fomented what might not be harmonized already among them? Well, you know, it really did and still does remind people about how much how much they need bonds with other people uh, to to live a good human life. And many of these bonds we took for granted. I mean, you just take for granted that you can walk into your parish church. Uh, well, nope. For a year in most places, you couldn't just walk into your parish church or go down to the to go down to the bar on Fridays and watch a baseball game with your friends. Just innumerable uh, social relationships we had that were just frozen. And, you know, some of the strongest people I know, I mean, morally strong, spiritually strong, psychologically strong, just frankly admitted about six months into COVID that they were they were getting weak and uh, unsure about things. And of course, I mean, the cause of it's very okay. simple. Pro- Professor Hinter, we'll come back to this. We're just going to take a quick break and you'll stay with us and we'll come back after the break. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarans strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop, priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsarah.org, joinserra.org. Thank you, Sarans, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the morning is provided by Five Sons Naturescapes. Five Sons Naturescapes is a Catholic veteran-owned family company providing premium outdoor landscaping. Clean up and restore outdoor living space with retaining walls, privacy fencing, pergolas, paver sidewalks, and patios. Issues with soil settling and water around the foundation and yard? Five Sons Naturescapes can grade and install drainage tile to help. Five Sons Naturescapes online at fivesonsnaturescapes.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Jones, and we are back with Dr. Russell Hintinger. And I think we were, I was a little bit rude. We caught you mid-sentence there on something I think was very intriguing about the strength of people, but that they were discovering their own vulnerability and weakness in the midst of all this because of the fraying of the bonds that we couldn't mm-hmm. just kind of mm-hmm. you know, presume upon. Would you want to just maybe elaborate a little bit more, Dr. Hintinger? Uh, well, yes, because we we think of ourselves as at least Americans. We have plenty plenty of leisure and wealth. We think of ourselves as individuals, chiefly, but, you know, COVID has reminded a lot of people about how much their emotional and spiritual uh, 
lives uh, rested upon uh, their social relationships. And uh, some of the most simple things we took for granted couldn't be taken for granted anymore. So, for instance, that your children would go to school and be taught by a teacher in person. I mean, imagine a second grader being taught without being taught face-to-face in real life. I mean, that, that kid is not going to learn the same way. And so across a whole spectrum of relationships from our, our relationships of learning, working together, eating together, uh, all these things. I mean, even even the the relationships of sport and recreation, all being pulled out at once. And I think it was a very good lesson for for us. I mean, it's a lesson that really does have a a, a moral purpose to it. Mm-hmm. That it's not just the dignity of the individual, but also the dignity of our social bonds. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, the appreciation and gratitude that we have, the cherishing of those, and then maybe being ever more active to try and form those and savor and uphold those uh, in our lives and to to be really agents of that for for one another and to to play that. Uh, You know, you're, you're... all that you're saying, I believe, is very much uh, steeped in the Catholic social teaching tradition of the church. Uh, but, you know, as we put Catholic social teaching out and, and whether this is really uh, you know, the, the note you're going to be accenting during your time at uh, Mercy College of Health Sciences, uh, is it suasive in itself? Or do you think we have to use more secular uh, explanations and arguments to appeal to people to kind of rouse them to, to again, reclaim what might have been uh, afraid? Well, I can give an, an excellent example of that. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, these two economists, Case and Deaton, out of Princeton, uh, Deaton being a Nobel Prize winner, uh, did a study of the morbidity and mortality rates among white males in the country and showed, you know, this, this, these really deep patterns of sickness, alienation, and they correlated it with three things. Number one, they were not being successful in marriages and in their families. Number two, they correlated it with anger and resentment about political authority. I mean, beginning with the mayor and going all the way up, I suppose, the chain of command. <laughs> and, and third... And their local bishop, too, probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. You anyway, said it, not me. Moving right along. <laughs> But but then alienation from religious life. So in the United States today, the group that has the most precipitous decline of religious participation are not the millennials. It's like 50-year-old white males who are uh, down in the dumps from marriages that are not working and wow. so on and so forth. That's a striking, They're not going to that's a striking fact, I think, that uh, is news to me. So uh, looking forward so much to your presence here in Des Moines. Again, your talk will be on 6.30 p.m. Thursday, October 21st on Zoom. So people can go to the Mercy College of Health Sciences uh, website and the Zoom link to, to watch it uh, virtually. But uh, looking forward again, and thank you for spending some time with us, Dr. Hittinger. You bet. This has been another edition of Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Thank you to our guests and all of our listeners.
on I, listening to Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by Sarah Vocations Ministry. Learn more at joinserra.org.